After each contraction ended, I could hear Claudia peacefully cheering me on outside the bathroom. Good, good. Now two more. Now one more. I could hear Annie saying, you're working really hard, mama. There wasn't one person there who doubted me or didn't trust the process. My moaning didn't signal an emergency. It signals my expansion. Welcome to the Well Worth Watering podcast. I'm Luann, and my goal is to empower, educate, and nourish Black birthing people along their birth and new parenthood journeys, one message, one truth, one story at a time, because we are well worth this conversation. We are well worth pouring into. We are well worth watering. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about something that may not necessarily be at the forefront of your mind, the sound of birth. Now, I know that many of you might hear that and think to yourself, oh, you mean a bunch of screaming, a bunch of yelling, (laughs) Um, maybe the sounds of your newborn baby crying. So yes, a lot of it is that, some of the things that I just mentioned but it is actually something much more layered, right? And I'd like to talk about that today. But before we jump in, I wanna set the tone by reading from a piece that I wrote on my blog several years ago. Um, It's actually the story of my second birth experience. The piece is called Firstborn Second, Malcolm's Home Birth Story. Soon, What would be the most intense and memorable part of my labor came. I was entering transition, the part of labor when the cervix thins and opens the last couple of centimeters, usually between seven to 10 centimeters. The way the pelvis opens while on the toilet is ideal for labor progress. It gives your baby the widest opportunity to make their descent deep into the birth canal making transition contractions notoriously intense. Fear, self-doubt, and divine knowing may all be at the conference, but you only need one keynote speaker. The first two contractions were difficult, but the third one took my breath away. It was the only time I can remember calling out for my husband. He had slipped out during one of the very short breaks between contractions, to check on the birthing tub. As I felt another one mounting, I called out for him. Even through these challenging surges, I was holding on to my peace like it was air. I groaned, rocked, bellowed, and buried my head into Michael's stomach so that I had a familiar and comforting smell surrounding me. After each contraction ended, I could hear Claudia peacefully cheering me on outside the bathroom. Good, good. Now two more. Now one more. I could hear Annie saying, you're working really hard, mama. There wasn't one person there who doubted me or didn't trust the process. My moaning didn't signal an emergency. It signals my expansion. After my three toilet contractions were complete, Michael helped me into the birthing pool, and I noticed a thick pink and cream-colored blob, my mucus plug, 
smeared down my inner thigh as I lifted my leg to get into the warner. I instinctively got into a hands and knees squat-like position and enjoyed the peaceful embrace of the water. It felt like I was being welcomed back into the house after a cold afternoon. I was in a trance, unaware of much else but the comfort of the tub until I felt a strong pop sensation. My trance was broken along with my water. The pressure of my son moving into a crowning position shocked me. I must have looked like a feral cat thrown into a bath. I started backing up in the tub as if I could go back to the part of birth that was less intense, the part that required less resolve, less focus. I had felt this uncontrollable urge to bear down something that I had heard about but didn't recall from my first birth. I remember squealing, can I push? Can I push? Now, both my midwives encouraged me to listen to my body and push as I felt needed to. I tried to breathe my baby down, a technique I'd practiced during pregnancy, but my mind had clearly left the room as my body entered the second stage of labor. Still upright on my hands and knees, and the intensity of the pressure just became too much. I tried desperately to get back to my solace as the baby crowned, but I lost my grip of peace. I was scared for the first time during this labor. Claudia sensed what was happening and took the reins. She told me to stand up and I reluctantly followed her instruction. She stood behind me and held me. Put your hands to the sky. Let go and give your body and your baby permission to come. Her words supported me in a way that no hands could. She held me, but her affirmation is what coaxed my mind back into my body. The job of my womb was almost complete. It had nourished this baby for many months, and now it was time to let go. Claudia slowly let me sink back down into the water, with my arms still raised in the air. I can't remember if it was by instinct or suggestion, but eventually I moved into a seated upright position. The mood was so much lighter now. My contractions slowed down a bit since I was in the water. I was in the pushing phase now, so my contractions came with plenty of rest in between. I let myself surrender to the water, the music, and the process. The music playing in the background landed on Bob Marley as Michael and Claudia sang along. We'll share the shelter of my single bed. Why did it have to be a single bed? Claudia chuckled, at ease at what must have been one of hundreds of births she'd attended. Because they were poor, Michael added, with levity and not a hint of worry on his voice. We all laughed. It all felt so familiar, like home. Laughter, music, peace, surrender. Claudia and Annie told me to start focusing deeply on my pushing now because our baby's head was nearly out. I channeled all my energy and breathed down with everything I had. I'll never forget that last push. I thought to myself, this is it. This better be it. This baby better come out of my body right now or I swear. Before I could finish threatening myself, I let out a guttural and knowing scream. I didn't have to open my eyes to know the baby was here. 
I can't believe I just did this. 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 I chanted those words with sweet abandon for the first couple of hours after this birth. The sun had risen and my best friend was on her way to help out with our daughter who was still fast asleep upstairs, unaware that her little brother had just arrived. The music was paused serendipitously on a Bilal song, Soul Sister, from his album, First Born Second, fitting for our second born, yet first home birth. Now, I read a couple of, of excerpts from this blog piece because I want y'all to note the many aspects of sound that I shared in this piece. The sound of the music playing in the background, the sound, the, the sounds I was making instinctively, what it sounded like to hear uh, my birth team supporting me, and the moments where no sound was being made. There were moments of stillness and quiet, followed by moments of laughter and joy and lightness. So sound will be represented in so many different ways during birth, right? This is so much more than the cliched screaming and yelling that uh, a lot of us grew up hearing about surrounding birth. So let's get into our conversation today. We're talking about the sounds of birth, right? And I want to talk about this from a couple different perspectives. The main ones being internal environment, meaning what is playing in your mind, in your head? How do we unpack some of the apprehension you might have around what it means to make sounds or to vocalize during birth? And then we're going to be talking about the external environment. So what will you be hearing around you? What do you want to hear? So let's start out with something that I think is really unaddressed, but really important when we talk about sounds during labor. So when we first start to form ideas around birth in general, one of the common things that a lot of us are exposed to is the, the perception of birth through media, right? Through movies, television. Um, I think that a lot of this in the, in the last solid 10 years has been um, dissipated because we're seeing real um, birthing experiences um, being shared on social media. And so we're realizing that the screaming and the, and the frantic nature, right, and frantic sound of birth is not always accurate. That doesn't mean to say that you won't hear um, birthing mothers and birthing parents screaming. Screaming is perfectly fine to do and acceptable in birth, but it's not all you hear, right? But let's back up further from there. I want to ask you to stop for a moment and think about what your relationship to vocalizing looks like. Some of us grew up in, in an environment and were raised to believe that it was better off if we were seen and not necessarily heard. It was better off for us to internalize our emotions. It was far better to shrink, um, to not make sound, to not speak up, to not ask questions in an effort to make others comfortable. And so when we think about how that affects us, 
getting into environments like in school or, or places that we want to be and having to fight this feeling of like, oh, should I say something? Should I, should I speak up? Um, we take that all the way into the birth experience and we imagine ourselves screaming or moaning or groaning or just in general being loud in birth, something very counter to what we learned and maybe what we saw. How do we grapple with that tension? Is this the time we do what we think we might not be able to, what we shouldn't do? So I want you to sit with that for a little bit and take a moment to think about what your earliest agreements around making sounds might have been and how that might be showing up for you as you get ready for this birth experience. So with that context, let's let's move on to the second piece that I want to talk about, which is why vocalizing during labor is not only perfectly fine to do, <laughs> but is beneficial for the labor process. So vocalizing during labor can look like many different things. It could be moaning. It could be deep breathing, deep exhales groaning, grunting, um, it can even be screaming, right? But vocalizing during labor can also look like laughter. And one of the main benefits of vocalizing during labor is just to release all of that tension and stress that one might be feeling as you ride the different waves and surges of birth. It is a way of discharging the intensity of a contraction, right? So as you're experiencing these these um, surges, this tightening in your uterus, in, in the lower abdomen, all of those sensations that we feel during labor, it is a really, really instinctive way to just let that tension go. And it actually makes contractions considerably more manageable. So imagine yourself breathing through a contraction and instead of just letting it out with a nice uh, audible exhale, you almost barely exhale, right? Or you almost like tighten up. You know, that tension begins to build, not only in your throat, but maybe it spreads to your shoulders. Maybe it spreads to the base of your neck, down on into your jaw, right? So letting it go through sound can be really, really valuable. Breathing in intentionality and letting go, exhaling of everything that doesn't serve you. It is a natural way to cope. It's actually a natural coping mechanism. Now, towards the latter part of labor, particularly the birthing phase or the pushing phase, vocalizing can serve a particular role. So as you enter into that birthing phase and you try to bring in a measure of control, right, around pushing during each contraction, um, what we want to avoid is getting into a mode of pushing that involves holding your breath. That's also known as purple pushing. So every time you take an inhale and then you go to exhale and bear down, you sort of you're, you're literally holding your breath and instead of exhaling, right, you, you kind of hold that. So not only are you 
holding on to that tension, but it's not really an effective push, quote unquote, right? And so I like to encourage clients to take a deep breath in. And then as they exhale, vocalize that exhale and imagine themselves breathing down that. Imagine the breath literally moving down from their throat, down into the seat of their womb. This is also referred to as J breathing. That is a term that some of you might have heard. And if you haven't heard of it and this is your first time, I encourage you um, to look that up and get some more information about it. It's, it's a very powerful um, technique that you can practice now as you prepare for that pushing stage. Now where sound comes into play here is that when you exhale, you can really really utilize that sound piece, that 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 uh, groaning, moaning um, piece to make a powerful, uh, to allow that breath to make a powerful exit, right? So again, you're, ex you're inhaling and as you bear down, you're really um, letting it go through breath, right? as you practice this technique, find what works best for you. Okay. Some, some folks are moaners, some are groaners, right? Don't necessarily feel like, oh, there's just one right way to do this, or I have to be locked into this mode of making sound. Find what is authentic and useful for you. And I will say that once you open yourself up, to your right and your permission to be able to make sounds during birth, you'll find that when you're actually in labor, you just open yourself up to whatever comes. And that, that can be the most beautiful thing to, to just let it be an on-site process um, of, of surrendering to the sounds that can come out of you, knowing that any sound that comes out of you is perfectly fine and welcome. And there's another piece here that I want to touch on, which is the sound of you communicating your needs um, before your labor begins, right? So your communication with your care team, letting them know what you um, have planned for this birth, um, ways to mitigate any possible challenges that could come up. So, you know, that's always worth mentioning that, that there should be a sound of open communication happening between you um, and your midwife or doctor and also with your partner, right? Talking about expectations for care when baby comes, um, talking with your extended family about plans around visiting baby. A lot of families know that they want to build a, a really firm bond those first couple of weeks, sometimes up to a month. So they don't, you know, they're not necessarily entertaining visitors for the first couple of weeks, the first couple of weeks of their baby's birth, right? So think about what that, think about what those conversations look like and, and, and have them now and feel empowered to do so. Now we're moving on to the next piece, which is the external environment. What am I hearing or what do I desire to hear during this birth process? Now, the first thing that comes to mind for many folks is music. Music is really powerful when it comes to cultivating a certain mindset, right? And that's going to look different for everyone. Some folks find that they resonate very deeply with meaningful lyrics, things that um, tell a story, right? And some folks 
um, prefer to for prefer to focus on melody alone. Um, maybe the lyrics might be a little bit distracting for them. Again, make this personal to you. If you know that you are somebody that responds very deeply and positively to uh, worship music, go ahead and, and you know include a lot of worship songs on your playlist, right? So make it work for you. In general, many birthing mamas respond well to hushed tones during the labor process. When you are at the peak of a contraction, for many folks, one of the most frustrating things could be side conversation or just too many loud, distracting sounds. And we know that we can't control every particular aspect of labor. But beforehand, that is something that you can discuss, again, with your support team and your partner. Um, you know, when I when you see that I've gotten into the thick of a labor surge, go ahead and just talk to me in a hushed tone. Do you want complete silence as your baby enters the world. This can be really key for folks planning a cesarean birth um, as they try to keep that birth process uh, sacred and, and special. Many families will ask that the OB not make any sound, not have any side conversation, just let it be a quiet, peaceful time. Um, some folks will have music playing that during that particular time or none at all, right? Or just the sound of mama or birthing parents' voice welcoming the baby. As you look forward to the birth of your baby, think about the role that sound plays during your labor. Think about your relationship to sound and speaking up and your belief that you have the right to make sound and be loud and to be both seen and heard during your birth. Thank you once again for joining me on today's episode. If you have any questions or an experience that you would like to share, definitely reach out to me at wellworthwatering on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook. And if you want to send me a direct message or a direct email, um, you can definitely do that. I am Lou, L-O-U, at wellworthwatering.com. Y'all know y'all can always check the website for more information about my birth classes. I am hosting one last session of Overflow in December. Overflow, once again, is my four-part series and it is introspective preparation for birth so if you want more information on that um, you can always hit me up about it um, i'm also hosting some weekend sessions for comfort and coping techniques for birth um, that session is called labor of love so i have many uh, weekend sessions listed so if you are planning a winter baby at this point, you know, and you want to help uh, prepare yourself, prepare not just your body, but your mind, head on over, right? And uh, get some more details about it. All sessions will be hosted virtually. So you are welcome to attend from wherever you may be joining. Thank you once again. And I look forward to talking to y'all later. And of course, always remember that you are well worth pouring into and you are well worth watering. <laughs>